ever wondered what online experts talk about in the green room before they take the stage? Well, Jeff Walker and Chris Ducker are about to bring you into the conversation. They've been through the battles and got the scars to prove it. Now they're sharing over 40 years of experience showing you what it takes to succeed and how to avoid the mistakes along the way. Welcome to This is Online Business. Hey everybody, I'm Chris, I'm with Jeff. As always, this is Online Business. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking all about live events, something that Jeff and I, A, love being involved with, B, have held a few here and there over the years, and C, um, enjoy talking about. And we've actually, Jeff, we've talked about this topic so many times off mic, off camera, just the two of us hanging out, chatting about stuff. Like, where do we even start with this? I mean, we can talk about the fact that, when when did you run your first, let's do this, yeah. When did you run your first live event ever in the, in the marketing <laughs> game? And what did it look like? Um, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I just have to make a note. We can't, we have to remember to get back to chain mail at, at some point in this episode. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Let's, okay, let's chain mail and, and the round table. Um, yeah. My first, let's see, I think the first event I did was in 2007. And it okay. was, um, it was held in, in Denver it was I, I charged five thousand dollars for it. This is this is the stuff I want to get down to. It's, this is great. Okay, yeah, keep going. I, I charged. I, yeah, we had about we had spots for about a hundred people. I think I charged five thousand, but then anyone who had bought product lunch for me, I gave them full credit for what they had spent, which at that time was a thousand. So for for those people, it was four thousand. Yeah. Um, my intention, the reason I put on the event, was because I wanted to record my next version of product on formula. So like my intention was I would teach from stage and then we take those recordings and my product would be done for the version 2.0. Yeah. Did that work? So, no, it was, it was absolutely <laughs> no, completely. Right. Did, did it work? Of course it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I got on stage and, um, and quickly, the first morning, I realized that I could either, I could either put on a great event and teach to the people in the room and really mm -hmm. deliver for them, or I could, or I, or I could create a product. And yeah. and I, you know, I, I was in front of these folks. They paid a lot of money. We there, there was just no way I was going to deliver a suboptimal experience. There's a big and difference so, between shooting video to be consumed online in any capacity and being at a live event and filming it, right? There's a big, big difference between the two. Um, and I think you just, you can't, you, you can't, nor should you try and recreate the feeling of a live event experience online. And this is like what we're going to get into today because things really have changed a lot over the last three, four years when it, when it, when it comes to live events. I mean, the first time I went, well, the first and only time I ever went to your live event was like, we were trying to figure this out. It was like either 14, 15 or 16, one of those three years, I think it was likely to be bang smack in the middle of 2015. It was Phoenix. It was hot. Um, and, uh, I remember there was a couple of things about your event that I remember. Number one, 
I remember you looking so cool on stage, right? Like, like you were completely in your element. You were so chilled. There was like no stress involved. And I'm thinking either he's a really good actor or he's just got this nailed one or the other. I remember that. And then the other thing I remember was the workbooks that you gave to everyone. And it was almost like a script to a certain degree, but there were words missing on these pages. And there were little gaps left where you would then be filling out the gaps and completing the gaps for people on stage from the screen. And so, I mean, dude, it was genius because everyone in the room was hanging on every single word because ultimately they were filling in the blanks in the workbook throughout the course of the event. And I thought that was brilliant. And I have done likewise based on what I saw you do all those years ago before. And even now, actually, my slides now basically like have zero words on them. Like I, I create diagrams with like triangles and circles and stuff. Like if you, if you want a completed workbook, you better be paying attention because you're going to miss stuff out entirely. Right. And Chris, are you still doing that in for, in your virtual events? Yeah, I am. Because yeah. yeah oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I because am. like our virtual events, we actually have gotten away from like having the blanks in the workbook just because um, it, it, it didn't, I'm trying to remember why we made that decision, but I think it's mostly because of the time zone challenges. You know, I'm sure your live events are like you know, your your hybrid events are just like mine, where you've got people tuning in in every time zone. Oh yeah, like yeah. literally 24 time zones. Yeah, and so it felt like it was almost punitive if someone was like getting up at two in the morning to start an event to like not be given. Well, you know, I I, and, I didn't I wasn't doing when we first started really going all in on the online stuff, like at the beginning of the pandemic. So hang on, context, let's rewind a little bit. My first live event, 2010, 10 people in a conference room at a hotel in London. Get this, Jeff, I charged 150 bucks per person. That was my my ticket price to be in the room. Um, and I remember I was like, well, I'm going to be in London. I'm going to put like a day on where I can hang out with like 10 people of my community I don't really care about making money all that much. I'm just going to be there anyway. Actually, for another speaking gig, I might as well just rock up or do an extra day. So it was 150 bucks a pop. And I sent the email out to X amount of people. I can't even remember how many people were on the email list at the time, probably a few thousand, and uh, went out for dinner. And when I got back, I'd sold like two, almost two days worth. I sold like 17, 18 people. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've, I've rented this room. This is a nightmare. Like I'm going to have to give seven people their money back. And my wife said, don't do that. Like just put on another day. So I ended up doing two days back to back with two different groups. Um, but now I charge a lot more than 150 bucks. <laughs> so, you know, you live and learn, you live and learn, but it was good. But what I wanted to get at was that, you know, through the years, we've done really intimate, like super high level events, you know, five grand a ticket, six grand a ticket with 50, 60 people, 70 people. We've done big conferences in, you know, we rented like the Queen Elizabeth Center right opposite Westminster Abbey in London for the Upana Summit three years in a row, almost 400 people, like it was sold out every single year. Uh, but now since the pandemic, I'm going back to more 
intimate stuff and I really enjoy doing the intimate stuff again. But the reason why I, I, I carried on with the blanks, the fill in the blank thing is because we did a couple of kind of when the pandemic first hit, we did a couple of more public events, uh, webinars, you know, prolonged webinars, two hour shows, that sort of type of thing online. And then I believe it or not, the same session was copied by two different individuals and people were selling the recordings of these things with their own, well, actually one guy put himself in front of the camera and then was just splicing him and me together. Like we were business partners, um, some dude from Canada. And then we had somebody else who basically just redid the entire thing. The, the whole thing was my video except for the bit where I was on screen. Like, so it spliced me out of it and put their own voice over it like it was their training. And I just, that really, really upset me a lot at the time. And I was like, from now on, we're taking every word off. We're just going to have headlines. We're just going to have fill in the blanks. And we've just kind of continued with it. And actually, people really like it. Uh, they, they like doing that. I, you know, I think, anyway, it works well for us. Wow. That's crazy. You got knocked yeah. off. Like, I mean, you, you know, sometimes you got to want just like, why they, they put a lot of effort into that. Why don't they just create their own damn thing? Right. <laughs> you know? I think like, I said the exact same words per capita there as well <laughs> at the time. I mean, that was, you know, we're talking a good few years ago now, but I remember when that pandemic hit live, obviously all live events stopped. And dude, were you on the hook for, for, for yes, like, I was. Yeah. I think we had a discussion at the time. Actually, I don't know whether we were texting. Yeah, this is or some, was, yeah, I was on the hook. Yeah, this is a, for about. Yeah, this. Yeah, let's get real. I was on the hook for about fifty, sixty k. I think in terms of deposits, um, for what would have been the twenty twenty version of the Upana Summit. So we did seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen, um, and twenty twenty. Yeah, and we were on the hook for like fifty, sixty k. What were you on the hook for? With yours, uh, I was I was on the hook for PLF Live was going to be in spring of 2020, and so we hadn't. I can't remember if we'd started selling tickets yet, but the, so though that event would typically at that time be about a thousand people would come. Yes, and what what I was on the hook for was we had signed up signed the contract with the hotel, and for those of you who don't know, you you have you're you are guaranteeing a certain number of, of, of rooms that you're going to sell. Yeah. So we probably had, you know, I don't know, we were probably on the hook for 2,400 room nights. So then if you don't have the event, it's not like you lose the money you put down for the ballroom. You lose, yeah. you have to pay for those hotel rooms. So you know, we never had to around. do that, Jeff. We never had to pony up for the room block. We just had yeah. to pony up for the venue so, we, I mean, a lot easier for us to take hundreds, care of that. Must have been hundreds a nightmare. Of thousands. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then I had another event I was doing in May. And then we had our masterminds in June. So I, was like, I had room blocks for all three of those. It, it, it was many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and, before, and there, there was this game. Yeah, I was going to like, before it all kicked off, you you were sort of like, you must have been... When did, so when did it all kick off? It was like February, March, March. 2020, right? So like, the first, you must have been in like, March. 
pre-event mode already to a certain degree yeah. in terms of organization mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We are deep into planning, deep into planning, because I think, you know, we were about five or six weeks out from when that peel of live would have been. So we had ticket sales, but the yeah. big thing that, and, and yeah, so we would have had to refund tickets. The big thing that was looming was that room block and paying for, uh, you know, 2000 room nights or 2,400 room nights um, at, you know, a couple hundred bucks a pop. And, and so um, there was a scary game of chicken. This is um, like, no one knows about, and we weren't, you and I weren't the only ones. There's a lot of people in this, in this, you know, that we're in this situation. Um, but there was this game of chicken in that, like all of our people that had registered for the events, they started writing in saying, Hey, is the event still going to happen? Because, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, we weren't sure what was going, is the event still going to happen? And we couldn't, we knew the event wasn't going to happen, but we couldn't tell them yet because yeah. if we started telling them, then we would have canceled the event and we would have been responsible for those rooms. We were hoping that the contract would get canceled. So there's about, I don't know, 10 days in there where we had to go radio silent on our clients, which was not comfortable, yeah. but it was literally probably half a million dollars that, that was we in the balance. Ultimately, you you yeah. yeah you went into like protection mode for that money at the yeah. end of the day. I remember yeah. we were at um my wife and I were in San Diego right before the World Health Organization kind of announced it as like a proper pandemic, and we were there. I was speaking at Social Media Marketing World, and we were staying at the Grand Hyatt right there on the harbor in San Diego, and I'll never forget. I came down the morning after the event had all done and kind of wrapped up and everything. And I remember bumping into Michael Stelzner, the organizer of that, that morning. And I and people were checking out the hotel and everything. I said to him, dude, you dodged a bullet. <laughs> like, let's keep it real. You just dodged a huge bullet, right? And he, he didn't really say anything. He kind of looked at me. He was just nodding his head kind of thing, right? But I remember talking to the person behind the front desk. The place was dead, it was dead, Jeff. Right. And I said, like, right. what's the deal? And she said, we've had four events cancel in the last 24 hours. We are usually at like a 93, 94% occupancy annually, like year round. And we're at like 20% occupancy right now. I was like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. It was a ridiculous time, wasn't it? It, it was insane. It was insane. It, for, for everyone, for the world, you know, yeah. obviously... Yeah. And I mean, our, our, our little live events are a small problem in, you know, pale in comparison to what everybody's going to have to yeah. deal with. But here, we're, we're here talking about so, that, not so the pandemic as a whole. Chris, let's circle back. Let's, cir let, let's circle back and start because I think we want to get to like virtual and versus yep. in person versus hybrid versus all kinds of things. But let's circle, set the table with like, why, why are we even talking about live events? Why would, online entrepreneurs want to do live events and yeah. and where does it fit into their businesses and when do they start doing them and just like a little set the table for that yeah i mean for me it's always come down to bringing my people together i don't know about you but for me that's always been the focus um everything else at least initially i would say probably right up to about yeah, right up to about sort of 2017, we held our, our very popular tropical think tank events in the Philippines, which were, you know, we had people like 
we have really big name speakers saying, can I speak at your event, Chris? Like they, they wanted to come. Uh, it was a big, big event. We ran it five years in a row and people absolutely loved it. But up until the end of that series of events in 2017, it was always just about bringing people together. If we made money off the back end of it, it was a, kind of like a bonus. It was like the gravy, right? Um, when we got into like more bigger events like the Upana Summit in London, we needed to do something. We needed to make an offer. We needed to, you know, produce a way of being able to bring in money other than just sponsorships and ticket sales. Um, but right, yeah, for me, it's always been about the community, man. Like I just get a buzz out of being introduced on stage at the beginning of the event, you know, and you come out on stage and everyone's hyped up and pumped and they're happy to be there. Some people have traveled, you know, hours and hours and hours across country, across countries, you know, and it's like the buzz of being there and bringing people together is just unique. And people will remember you as the person that brought them together as well. And that's always been really integral for us. But for me, it's always been about bringing people together. What about you? Well, yes, and um, I, I love I love bringing you know. So there, there's a lot of different reasons. I talked about my first event, and the whole intention there was I'm going to record. I'm going to get paid yeah. to record my next product. You know, as 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 a theory, we already talked about it. Went sideways immediately. Um, so the minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to me, like there's I'm going there's there one way to look at events is there are um, enrollment events and fulfillment events. And so a fulfillment event is where you have promised some experience or some type of content and people have paid you a bunch of money for that and you show up and deliver that. So yep. for me, that's like our masterminds. Um, you know, I'm, I've got now I have two, two mastermind groups between them, I've done 44 meetings for them over the years. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I'm showing up. We've got, you know, usually two and a half days. We're going to feed people. We're going to have great dinners. We're going to yep. have breakfast. We're going to have lunch. We're going to have a full out, con you know, a, a mastermind meeting where we're yeah. just delivering world-class experience, world-class quote-unquote content. We should talk about that someday. Content's like one of my trigger words. I'm just, I cannot stand that word. <laughs> um, so, um, and so that, so we're, they, they've paid a lot of money and we're giving them a, an amazing experience. And then there are enrollment events and enrollment events are usually much, much bigger. They're a lot less expensive to get into. Yep. And again, I, you know, I want to, de to deliver the community. I want people to see possibility. I want to teach them and I want to train them, but there will be an offer that I'm going to make. Yes. And, 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 that, and so the, the money, you know, at the end of the day, we're in business, we need to make money. The money from that event doesn't come from ticket sales. It comes from product sales. Yeah. And, and, and I love, I, I mean, I'm, I think community, we talked in the last episode about like our different jams. I think community for me is, probably that, that's like a superpower for me. I'm really good with creating community. And so even with a thousand people in the room or even with 2000 or 3000 people in a virtual event, I think you can create community. And I think Absolutely. that moves people forward. You know, I, I think there are a few things that will move people forward than having other people on the path with them. And that's what community gives them. So I, that's first and foremost, 
I'm at every event I do, I'm going to invest enormous energy into trying to create that community and that that sense of empowerment and that sense of, of possibility for people. Um, but yeah, the the between the two events and an enrollment event is you're you're primarily the profit driver is you're selling something at the event. Yes. And a fulfillment event, it's primarily the profit driver is what people paid to be in that room. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we kind of joked a little bit about me getting COVID, you know, a week before the our last uh, uh fulfillment event, which was just literally last week. Um, where we had people come in and like you say, it's two it's almost the same format. It's two and a half days, it's dinners, it's breakfast, it's lunch, it's fun at a, you know, for us, it was fun at a video game arcade one afternoon and laser tag uh, and all that sort of type of stuff. But it's, I want to go to your point in regards to um, the, uh, the, 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 you know, getting people to sign up for something to, to ultimately part with cash for want of a better term at a level. We had never done it before. And the first time we did it, I was, I don't know whether it's maybe just the Brit inside of me, you know, I'm a little conservative at the end of the day. Um, and I remember my team saying to me, we had, we had a 2000 pound product that we were selling, Jeff. And I remember my team were like, what's the target? What do we want to bring in? And I said, uh, at the time I was just like, well, you know, like 50, like we bring in 50 people, it's hundred K. I'll be happy with that. You know, first time we've ever done any real pitch from the stage before. And I remember I was petrified. I've made offers for, you know, at that point, 10, 12 years or whatever it was. And I was petrified to do it from the stage for the first time. We sold 107 people at two grand a pop. And I'm 100% sure. Did we, did we ask or rather answer questions? Yes. Did we handle objections through that pitch? Absolutely. But I'm 100% sure that one of the main reasons why we did so well is because of the fact that there was that euphoria in the room amongst the attendees where they felt like they were part of something and they didn't want that to stop. And they knew that by investing in themselves and investing in our program, which at the time was a Youpreneur incubator program, which is now entirely online, but you know, we 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 kind of launched it live. They they figured that that was a way to be able to keep that feeling going. And I think there's something to be said there in regards to getting people in the same room and making an offer like that. I think a buying decision, uh, if you if you dot the I's and cross the T's, is a much easier you know, you know, a positive outcome to get when you're surrounded with other people on a similar journey. So Chris, we have so much ground to cover still on live events. We're going to have to do a, a, an episode two on events, but I want to underline some of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll share another trigger word for you, for me. Okay. It, that word is pitch. I don't, okay. I don't use that word. I don't use that word. I never, I never make pitches. I never pitch. So I do you offer you make the offer, right? Yes, exactly. So here's the thing. I was worried about making the offer. So in my mind, as a sales guy, I was calling it a pitch. Looking right. back proactively, I was making an offer. I know now yeah. I was making an offer, but negatively in my head, I was worried. Therefore, I was I was going to be pitching something. Isn't that strange? Yeah. It is, you know, words matter. And and I, yeah. I'm in saying that I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk and correcting you. It's just, no, no, no. I know Brendan, 
Brendan Burchard, Brendan Burchard's a dear friend of mine, has been for many, many years. And I, at one point I used that term and Brendan pulled, pulled me aside. He's like, hey, I want you to think about, don't think about making pitches, think about making offers. The same, it, at the end of the day, you're doing the exact same thing. But to yeah. me, it, it's a completely different feel. So if anyone out there is is worried about making, you know, asking for money, and, and this could be in an online video, this could be on a webinar, this could be in a launch, or this could be a live event. Try that on. See if that changes things for you, that you're making an offer. And I'm making an offer to deliver real value for people in exchange for them signing up for that. Yeah. So um, it's interesting, you know, in our last episode, we were, Chris, we, we were talking about the different, you know, you are, I'm a copy guy, you're a sales guy. And I know that, you know, I, obviously you have copy chops. I have eventually learned some sales chops, but it, it was not, they, for someone listening, that might sound very, very similar to write sales copy or to actually make an offer sound very similar. And I guess they are, but I've never been, I'm not a, I never did any type of sales. I was never a natural salesperson. The only uh, selling I've ever done. Yeah. It, it's, it's yet copy is like sales copy specifically is a real jam of yours. You like it. You like yeah. being in that moment. And then and when I did that, we, we started off this episode talking about 2007 when I did that first event. And I had no intention to make any type of offer. I didn't even know that was like a thing you did at live events. And then somewhere in the second day of that event, and it's only 100 people, so it's fairly small. Yeah. I'm in the elevator going back to my room, and there's like a couple people in the elevator with attendees in the elevator, and they're like, yeah, so are you going to make an offer for something? Are you going to have like a mastermind? I'm like, uh, no, am I supposed to do that? <laughs> and and so I completely didn't, I could have easily sold out a mastermind because we had just an incredible room, incredible yeah. warmth in the room. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I had no idea that was even something that happened at live events. So that was 07 for me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and the, the round table was launched at a live event my mastermind. And I had been sitting in person, actually. He came to London from the US with uh, a coach I was working with at the time. And we'd already talked about the roundtable. We knew we were going to make an offer, et cetera, et cetera. And that came about as kind of, and, and it wasn't, I didn't even make an offer. It was just, I dropped it in the discussion from stage and, and there wasn't a real offer made. It was like, this is going to be starting soon. And I'm really excited about it. Hey, if anybody in the room is interested, come and see me after. And we sold like 12 spots right out of the gate with it. I wouldn't have done yeah. that if I hadn't mentioned it from stage. So it's interesting. So you were just a minute ago talking about the, you know, the power of a live event in, 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 in creating a, an environment where people are, are ready to step into the next level. And so this is, you know, before we leave part one here of live events, this is this is um, something I just want to underline. You know, when, when someone comes to a live event, and and I think we're mostly been talking about in person, yeah. we're going to get to, uh, you know, virtual and, and hybrid and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, when someone, first of all, they're committed. They they've they've traveled there. They, they, they have stepped. So it's, I, 
right off the bat, it's going to be your best clients or your best pr prospective clients. They're probably, they're people that have already paid you. So they've already self-selected as someone who is willing to take their wallet out and pay you. They've already bought into you and your position. Now they're going to spend one, two, three, four days, or even five days. I've done five day events where you're just developing massive authority because you are on stage, which is an incredible amount of authority. You have put this room of people together, which is incredible authority. It's an immersive environment where they are immersed in your training. Hopefully they're immersed in moving their lives forward. You've shown them the great possibility of, 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 uh, you know, if they work with you and th this works, whether you're teaching business or whether you're teaching meditation or teaching yoga or teaching guitar, it works for all these. Oh, you, yeah. you have shown this possibility. You there's probably people in the audience that are further ahead of them. Maybe they're even your students. Um, you have built this community. They in that immersive environment, they can s more clearly see their future and all of these things end up creating an environment that makes selling so much easier that 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 makes it so much easier to offer the possibility of moving forward you know okay we had three days it's been amazing but you know what you know this event ends on sunday and monday you're going to fly back and you're going to be in your you're going to be the same person you were when you flew out here or where you drove out here and if you want the support and the assistance and the community to continue then let me tell you how to do that. And, and that's your offer. It's an incredibly powerful selling environment. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. Um, yeah. We're not done on this one, guys. No. <laughs> we're not. We're we're, in fact, we might just be getting going, I think. Uh, we'll see you in episode five, where we will dive into the online live event discussion that we're going to have. Um, thanks for tuning in and spending some extra time with us here. Hey, Jeff, I'm really enjoying these uh, these podcast episodes. How about you? Yeah, I no, I, I am as well. Hopefully we'll bring a few people along with us. Yeah, hope so. We'll see you guys in another episode. Take care.